0: Our foundation text this morning is John 16:33. We are embarking on a three week journey discussing how we can triumph in trials and tribulations. Jesus said in John 16:33, these things I have spoken to you so that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. One of the pivotal words in this text is tribulation. It's an obscure word for me. The picture that immediately comes to my mind when I think of the word tribulation is the monumental battle of the last days during the Great War of Armageddon. I see fire raining down from heaven, the earth quaking, people seized with fear, and complete pandemonium. Growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, this was the only definition of tribulation I knew. The scripture was quoted often. It used to mean that during the Great Tribulation, at the end of times, if I were alive, which I probably wouldn't be. I could have peace. Translation, this verse meant nothing to me because it was not applicable. Some of us might think that the word tribulation only applies to those going through life-threatening hardships, like the refugees fleeing from Syria, or a person like Dave Reaver who was literally engulfed in flames during war. Now those, those are tribulations, right? The Amplified Version of the Bible gives us synonyms for the word tribulation to help us better understand. It says distress and suffering are likened to tribulation. The Greek word for tribulation is thalipsis. It actually translates pressure, literally or figuratively. It means affliction, anguish, burdened, persecuted, or troubled. The first definition in Strong's Concordance is a pressing, pressing together, or pressure so let's look at our text again Jesus said these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace in the world you have pressure but take courage I have overcome the world this scripture is now applicable to every single one of us raise your hand if you have pressures exactly it's all of us there is not a day that goes by when the world doesn't give us pressure For many of us, life requires us to redefine what words mean, what beliefs we hold, and how we view the world in light of the scriptures. My sermon title is The Power of Perspective. We are going to examine our perspectives and learn how much of our triumph during trials and tribulations depends on our perspective. We have some very good friends whom we have met through the store. They live in Scottsbluff, Nebraska, and they come to Estes a few times a year. Every time they come for a weekend, they seem to do some crazy, hard, unknown hikes. Over Labor Day weekend, I think they hiked over 30 miles in two days. Crazy hard. This time, they were determined to sub at Hague's Peak. It is the highest peak in the Mummy Range and the fourth highest peak in Rocky Mountain National Park. When Tim sent me a few of his pictures, I got so excited. They were the perfect images to weave into my message. Life is a lot like a hike. There will be times when the climb is all uphill. There will be other times when you can just clip along with no hindrances. There will be storms and obstacles and pain. But there will also be abundant sunshine, incredible views, and memories that last a lifetime. The secret to finding success on a hike, again, depends on your perspective. Tim sent this picture looking up at Haig's Peak. Incredible, isn't it? For some of us, this is what life feels like. It is one boulder, rock, obstacle, hardship after another. It looks impossible. It looks too hard to attempt. This is what it looks like when your only perspective is to see the problem and to stare at the problem. We feel the pressure mount when all we see is the problem. But if we just change our perspective, things look different. This is what it looks like when you turn around. The exact same location, one full of rocks, totally looks impossible. The other, some of the most breathtaking views you can imagine. In my mind, turning around oftentimes is simply praising God for where we've come in changing our perspective we decide to praise him for all of the good that we've seen so far we might not be where we want to be but praise god we aren't where we were psalm 41 through 3 reads i waited patiently for the lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry he brought me up out of the pit of destruction out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and many will trust in the Lord. The question is, what do you see when all we hear, when all we feel, when everything around us points to the problem? (laughs) What are we going to do When the world gives us tribulation. When the trials and tribulations come, how do we triumph? When the pressure mounts, how do we respond? First of all, we need to understand that there is pressure all the time in life. Life is full of pressure. There's pressure when you're young, pressure in the middle, pressure when you're older. There is not a day from the time you're born until the time you die, that you're free from pressure. And pressure comes in many forms, but it's always there. There's pressure to go to school, pressure in school, pressure to finish school. There's pressure to get married. There's pressure to stay married. There's, right? Yeah, I don't know, but I've heard. So there's pressure to have children, and then there's certainly pressure raising children, And then there's pressure to get them out and grow them up and get them on their way. There's pressure to get a job. And there's pressure to retire. There's there's pressure to make money. And there's pressure to spend money. At every stage of life, there's pressure. But without pressure, there are no diamonds. So how do we respond to the pressure? Well, I think there are three main possible response options. Number one, we throw a pity party. Number two, we fill with pride. Or number three, we find our peace. Pity, pride, peace. So, let's talk about number one. Response option number one. Let's talk about pity parties. Now, I'm sure you are well aware of this, that pity parties can be some of the biggest bashes on the planet. They can last for hours, or days, or weeks, or years. You can party by yourself, party with friends and family, or you can party with complete strangers. (laughs) Yeah, pity parties, huge. As I have grown up, I have realized that when we are real, and when we are raw, that is when God has the potential to reveal himself the most clearly. So for the sake of the kingdom of God, I will be real and raw this morning and invite you to one of my personal pity parties. Recently, I turned 35 years old. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I had so many plans for how my life would look at 35. And zero of them have come to fruition. Now, this is particularly difficult for someone who delights in planning. There are few things in this world that I savor more than well-executed plans. I love plans. I love them. And mine haven't worked, people. Okay? <laughs> Didn't work. So, I'll tell you what the problem with all my grand planning was. It was all based upon the pressure. The pressure To get an education, to have a career, to get married, to have children, to have a house, to have a nest egg. And the list goes on and on and on and on. All my plans were based upon the foundation of pressure. Never once did I make plans based upon the glory of God. And I am sorry to say that, but it's true. Those plans were based on the fear of what people would think if I did or didn't attain this or that. I let the pressure direct my perspective. I literally have friends right now who would be institutionalized for depression if they were living my life. No husband, no children, no fancy career, no beautiful house. None of these things we're told we're supposed to have. If you were a woman living hundreds of years ago, this would be like a death sentence. Let me tell you something. Not terribly different today. Might not be a literal death sentence, but it's social death. Like, clearly social death. There's nothing to post on Facebook. I mean, (laughs) right? Social death. (laughs) We might be the most advanced people on the planet, but our old prejudices and our old presumptions still remain. There are certain marks of success by which we judge one another. We do it all the time. All of us do it. Honestly, most of the time, we create the pressure more than the outside world does, but the outside world fans those flames. There is not a week that goes by that I am not asked dreaded questions. Okay, folks, you can't have children without the marriage part first, all right? You need the boyfriend before you get married. Stop asking me all those questions. Because all it does is produce pressure. So, as I was approaching my 35th birthday, I had a decision to make. I could either look at everything I didn't have and was supposed to have, or I could look at the potential of what I could become. Rather than seeing the problem, I made a decision to see the potential. Therefore, I decided to celebrate the fact that I was now 35 years old, turning 35, and I could legally run for president of the United States. Palmasano for president. Doesn't it have a great ring to it? Palmasano for president. The power of a new perspective. Yes, this is what goes on in my mind. Um, (laughs) Terribly frightening, (laughs) but true. Honestly, I had the whole thing planned out. I had my running mate chosen. I got my cabinet selected. The platforms I'm going to go with. My color scheme. The slogan. You know, the whole nine yards. And... Okay, we all know I'm joking, and I'm kidding, and I'm kidding myself. I'm never going to run for president. But I spent my days thinking about it and planning it instead of wallowing in self-pity because I refuse to look at what I don't have, and I'm going to rejoice in what I do have. I changed my perspective so that I could praise him. Response number 2. No, 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 not yet. In one simple sentence, the Bible rejects all pity parties. In 1 Thessalonians 5:18 it says give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. If we're giving thanks in all circumstances, there's no room for self-pity. The Bible breaks up every possible pity party here, people. Everyone, there's no room If you're someone who goes from one pity party to the next, I challenge you, change your perspective because the party is totally overrated. Totally overrated. Praise him for all that he has done and praise him for all that he will do for that is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Now response number two, fill with pride. Pride and pity are cousins, They may sound different, they may look different, but you can tell they're from the same family. The definition of pride is a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements, the achievements of those whom one is closely associated, or from the qualities or possessions that are widely admired. Pastor Michael will frequently talk about the performance treadmill and the dangers of living in that performance cycle. Performance is based upon pride. It's what I have accomplished, amassed, and accumulated. Pride looks at others and says, anything you can do, I can do better. Pride constantly compares. Super, super important to understand. Because if we start comparing and comparing and comparing, 90% of the time, if you go and you check that root, the root is pride. Stephen Vertik is a young pastor out in Nar- um, Charlotte, North Carolina, and he's just having a huge impact in this generation. He preached one of my favorite sermon series called The Expectation Gap. And in this series, he said that what we experience is vastly different than what we expect. Therefore, we live disappointed. During this sermon series, he read one of the most powerful stories I have ever heard. It parallels pity and pride and shows us how if we change our perspective, we can have peace. Welcome to Holland by Emily Pearl Kingsley. I'm often asked to describe the experience of raising a child with a disability, to try to help people who have not shared that unique experience to understand it, to imagine how it would feel. It's like this. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous trip to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks, and you make wonderful plans. The Colosseum, the Michelangelo David, the gondolas in Venice. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian, It's all very exciting. After months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and off you go. Several hours later, the plane lands. The stewardess comes in and says, welcome to Holland. Holland, you say, what do you mean Holland? I signed up for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy all my life. I've dreamed of going to Italy but there's been a change in the flight plan. They've landed in Holland and there you must stay. The important thing to remember is that they haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of famine and pestilence and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go out and buy new guidebooks. You must learn a whole new language and you'll meet a whole new group of people you would have never met before. It's just different than Italy. It's slower paced than Italy. It's less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there for a while and you catch your breath and you look around, you begin to notice that Holland has windmills and Holland has tulips. Holland even has Rembrandt's but everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy. And they're all bragging about what a wonderful time they had there. And for the rest of your life, you're supposed to, you will say, yes, that's where I was supposed to go. That's what I had planned. And the pain of that will never, ever, ever go away because the loss of that dream is a very, very significant loss. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy the very special, the very lovely things about Holland. Man, I love this woman's metaphor. The pride we deal with is that everyone else seems to be going to Italy and bragging about Italy. Facebook is littered with pictures from Italy, if you know what I mean. Everywhere you look, every day. People projecting this image of themselves, that they have this perfect life and they've attained everything they were supposed to attain. In the context of this little story, many, many people will never go to Italy. And the pressure of that is very real. But, let's go back to John 16, 33. Where does Jesus say our peace comes from? Him. Our identity is in Him. It's not in our trip to Italy. It's not in the stories that we tell of our travels to this perfect place. Keep in mind, I have no problem with traveling to Italy. It's a great country, really, I'm sure. It's it's just that it's the example we're using today. Many people will never get to go to Italy. Once I changed my perspective... And I recognize that my trip to Holland has been amazing. My life changed. Right now, I wouldn't trade Holland for Italy for anything in the world. In Holland, I have great friends, a terrific family, an awesome job, an incredible church, and a clear mission. I love Holland. Have you come to the place where you can thank God for Holland? You know, maybe your marriage ended and you didn't think that was going to happen. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you didn't get to go to school or maybe you didn't get to graduate from college like you had wanted to. Perhaps you have some consequences from some bad decisions that were made. Maybe your kids are living in rebellion. You know, maybe you wish you would have gotten married. Maybe you wished you wouldn't have. (laughs) Maybe you didn't get to go to Italy. Can you be happy in Holland? That's my hope. My hope today is that we can all let go of Italy and learn to love Holland. Response number three, find our peace. Peace. The last possible response to the pressure is finding peace. We'll read our text one more time from the Amplified Version. These things I have told you so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, confident, undaunted, filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. Our peace comes from our position in Christ. He says that we may have perfect peace in him. Notice that he gives us peace. In 2 Thessalonians 3.16, it says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. So he gives us peace, and then he tells us to be courageous. He doesn't say courage will overcome you. He doesn't say, I will give you courage. He says, be courageous. You know what the distinction is? It's a choice. It's a choice. We can choose to be courageous, confident, undaunted, filled with joy. That's right. We can choose to be filled with joy every day. There's so many things in this world that we have no control over, but we can always control how we choose to respond to any given situation. We can change our perspective. We can see that his conquest has been accomplished. He has overcome the world, and we are in him. The pressure no longer has power over us. That is good news, friends. The pr- Amen? Come on, we can, we can be a little more lively here amen the pressure doesn't have power to direct our perspective it's so exciting the pressure doesn't have power to direct our perspectives we can praise him in all circumstances because we are becoming diamonds in christ Please come back next week for Pastor John Stocker. He is so excited to come share his heart with us. He was the pastor of Resurrection Fellowship in the Valley for a number of years, and he is actually the one who set this Triumph in Trials and Tribulations series up. So we would love to have you join us. At this time, we'd like to invite the worship team up, and we will close our service. You are a very good audience. Thank you for listening.
1: Up this morning When the other blessed assurance Jesus is born.
0: with our prayer partners if today's a day that you say lord i just want to thank you for holland i want to change my perspective i want to turn around i want to let go of italy and thank you for holland then join me in praying father god we are amazed by your goodness and your grace lord we thank you that you have given us so much and that you have given us a story. And you have given us a song. And I just pray that, that we would be filled with power and filled with joy. To live lives in Holland that reflect your glory. I bless these people in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.